Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of The For Venice. Fellas is with us, and he is going to be breaking down the geopolitical, geostrategic, geoeconomic storm that is upon us. The storm is upon us, and that is no pun for the Q-tards out there. And I have cracked the code. I have found out that, in fact, the reason why Trump released the rapper Kodak Black is because he is... Q. Kodak Black is Q, folks. It's one of those. <laughs> anyway, Vela's going to have a lot of things to run down. You want to get a hold of Vela's, you want to have, you want to chat with them, get over to the Rogue News Discord, and if you need to get into the Rogue News Discord, you got to go to the one and only gatekeeper himself. He is the tequila terror, the one and only El Cuco. Email CJ over at CJ at roguenews.com. And if yeah, you like give the bottle tequila. tequila, you'll get a faster link. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I like that, the tequila terror. <laughs> Has a nice ring to it. Anyway, with that being said, fellas, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, V. Hey, CGA. Hello to everybody in the audience. Uh, for those of you on the YouTube channel, just just a reminder: we're only going to be on there for five or ten minutes or so before mm-hmm. we shift over mm-hmm. just to shift and rumble. And you can always find the rebroadcasts of our programs at Twitch and Rumble. I think I said shift. Anyway, not enough coffee. Uh, Twitch and Rumble, and then of course the Rogue News website. So that said, for those of you that have been away for a while, welcome back. Um, we never left. You can always find us uh, at the, the rebroadcasts at the website, but you can also catch us live on the other channels I just mentioned. So um, show today, no show for me on Friday, the 2nd of September. I will be back on the 9th. Uh, Hobo Sermons, good show this morning on, on your channel over on YouTube. And thank you for the joke about Every time I say I'm on vacation, I'm, I'm doing something for the government. Um, number of topics to cover today, including uh, kind of the latest on the Whitney Webb book uh, and a number of things about the world in which we live. Uh, Woke Finder, I will get to that content you sent me on a later show. I tried to get it in this week, but it's just not going to jive. Um, so just a reminder, uh, and uh, V was talking about at the front end here, there's there's a lot going on on our Discord page. There's a number of, of um, what do you call it, hashtag topics over there worth checking out. There's one dedicated for me, uh, the Velas page. Uh, I do post a ton of stuff over there, including, as I often say, we do have memes. We do have memes and jokes. Um But I do post a lot of content over there because I certainly don't want to bore you all for four hours on a continuous broadcast. And wow, that's stunning. The video. (laughs) I I don't know what the purpose of that is. I I don't want to go there. Uh, There may be children present. There there may be children present. We're still on YouTube, and you played that. It's okay. Oh, God. God, we're going to be in the doghouse again. (laughs) 
yeah, does anyone feel like they're being watched? These are All just the few, time. a few of the gems off, off the Vela's page. Um, so, yeah, uh, and for those who've been away a while, uh, I did branch out a little bit into alternative archaeology and history. Uh, and if you want to listen to those programs, those are on the website for Rogue News and rebroadcast on Twitch and Rumble. Um, so I've posted uh, this past week uh, some topics on ancient archaeology that were pretty interesting and uh, would note the human interference project I covered uh, a couple of weeks ago. Tuesday night, I posted a very interesting theoretical piece on how one could theoretically, I don't think it's theory, weaponize municipal government uh, that may have been the plan since 2019. The article lays out how to disenfranchise people in metropolitan areas, anyone who has money or influence, to basically make them move away and leave behind people who don't have the means to change the power structure. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, I posted a link to Patrick Bet David. Some of you know him. He's a big uh, advocate of being entrepreneurial business yeah, owners. Yeah, Yes, yes. Uh, phenomenal guy. Uh, yeah, family, family fled uh, Iran after the fall of the Shah's government, went into the U.S. military. Uh, very rags to riches kind of story. Very. He, From he the had a video. Camp to a, yeah. to a successful multi-million dollar business. God bless him. And the man, the man has an Im impressive presence when he's when he's on stage or talking to his audience. Um, he did a series of calculations about on a show of his this week. You might find interesting on whether uh, a college degree has a return on investment that makes it worthwhile. There's, I posted this on the uh, uh, the Discord page for Vellus this week on Wednesday. One of his data points, which I found interesting, was that since 1980 to today, the cost increase for a college education is 1,200 percent. But yet during that same period with a regular rate of inflation, uh, the regular rate of inflation since 1980 to now is 236%, just saying. Um, posted Tuesday night more data from the insurance industry uh, about COOF-related data. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Um, also, remember, folks, every time we have a major news story, you need to be checking the back pages of, of the media uh, about other data that may be coming out about the COOF uh, that missed uh, the public scrutiny. Jackson Hole Financial Summit, uh, as many of you know, uh, that financial conference is taking place this week. Um, yet another example of a situation where due to irrational behavior in the markets and a level of media tea leaf reading uh, and spin greater than the orbital rotation of Jupiter, Jupiter things will only get more chaotic. Uh, what will Jerome Powell say? What will he wear if he coughs slightly during the mentioning of a rate hike? Does that mean X relative to the markets? Uh, my God, uh, you know, when I worked for major corporations, no one north of director ever sent an email or a public communication without legal and a team of minions reviewing every noun and verb. So why in the name of God does any Federal Reserve chairperson or central banker show up to make comments at events like this? Uh, these are folks who are supposed to be bathed in incense with Buddhist monks chanting while they ponder micro and macroeconomics. Uh, instead, it's become a forum of celebrity where many financial observers have stated, and I quote, markets tend to become more erratic during these meetings, unquote. Uh, my simple solution to that is then stop holding them. Um, auto parts manufacturers. Uh, from the Private Equity Hub website, and I will get back to some of the uh, website data I've been covering of late for all of you, uh, we have the following this week. Several private equity firms are buying up some auto parts manufacturers. Uh, the PE firms involved include Invest Corp, 
Clear Lake and Atlantic Street. Why does this matter? Well, for several reasons, and as you're all fond of hearing me often say in these situations, I worked in that industry too for many years uh, with uh, parts manufacturers and parts retailers in the automotive and trucking sectors. So first, as we're aware right now, buying a new car or truck is rather difficult because <clears throat> of a lack of parts and the manufacturing impacts that have occurred. Second, due to the condition of U.S. roads, more and more people are damaging their wheel rims, and those manufacturers are part of these acquisitions. Uh, third, you have a growing number of businesses that are basically sustaining this nation's infrastructure, and we're going to get into that topic a little later, with three-quarter and one-ton trucks that need to be maintained. And also many of those firms, uh, I know of a, of a couple of them uh, right near where I live, um, there's a couple of firms out there that are running leasing firms uh, for those fleets of vehicles. And so the leasing firm takes care of all your maintenance uh, on those vehicles and related. So we have a growing demand in vehicle replacement parts. We've not witnessed since, in my opinion, probably the early 1990s. Now, I say that because during that decade, and that's when I was working in that industry out of college, um, you still had a lot of folks out there who knew how to maintain their own vehicles. Uh, you had a lot of Ford and GM and Chrysler uh, folks out there working at the various factories and stuff, a number of whom no longer exist because those factories have closed. Uh, so, but there were still a number of people out there that knew how to, as, as the old uh, phrase goes, a shade tree mechanic and, and maintain their own vehicles. Ever since NAFTA, that has kind of shifted more and more to repair shops. That is, unless you're buying a new vehicle more frequently because you don't know how to maintain it or you don't want to pay to maintain it. So there is an opportunity to make money off of this, as I've kind of been bringing up of late. Um, I've seen this previously as well with private equity firms that, you know, they don't invest unless they're planning on getting their money out of there. And so a lot of times what tends to happen is there's a lot of cost cutting. So the downside of this as well could be, are some of these auto parts makers going to start cutting corners, which might mean a lower quality product with a higher failure rate? We'll have to see. The other angle that's uh, dovetailed into this is, of course, this week's announcement by the state of California. They want to ban new car sales by 2035. Um, that's a huge opportunity to keep those vehicles running and or bring them across the border. Of course, I believe that California's efforts in that regard will fail miserably. I'll Gas pause for a moment. Engines, right? Gasoline engines. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> because you know, they want it where, you know, if, if you say anything bad about the government, your EV, which is nothing but a software driven vehicle, they can just switch it off and they can't turn your car on. Can't oh, yeah. Travel. It's part of the social uh, credit system these idiots are trying to put together unless unless you're an elected official uh from the state of indiana serving in the house of representatives where a car swerves across the road and kills you and it turns out later that you may have been involved in trying to stop trafficking not that that has a correlation either but you know that's for a topic for another time um no correlation whatsoever none none absolutely zero um bot farms and deep fakes uh I'll amend my comments from some of the prior shows where I keep uh, going on and on about the midterms. Um, the bot farms and the deep fakes and all the other stuff uh, relative to public uh, influencing in the midterm folks. Yeah, the midterms are going to play a role, but also keep in mind and, and mea culpa, um, it's going to extend out to 2024 as well. And that's not just the United States. That's, that's globally because we have a number of key elections taking place globally. Um, CJ had a very interesting comment yesterday with uh, Crypto Cowboy and V. Um, absolutely nailed it. Uh, who is one of the biggest loan providers to college students as well as high-risk loans to college students? I'm talking about the recent government 
uh, I wouldn't call it payoff, but contribution of $10,000 to, to student loans. Um, so who loans a lot of money to college students and especially at-risk college students? The U.S. government. And buried in that story out there is the fact that Pell Grants, which are federally subsidized, those will receive a $20,000 payment versus bank loans who will receive a $10,000 payment. Um, this is the government getting debt off their books, folks. Um, and the money goes directly to the loan provider, not the student. Uh, I also like CJ's angle that this is going to contribute to gross domestic product because that's absolutely true. Uh, for those of you who remember your, your economics formulas, gross domestic product is equal to consumption plus investment plus government spending and then exports minus imports. So that's the big letter G uh, and it's, its contribution to the economy. Uh, the nuclear football, just a reminder, we still don't know who has the president's nuclear launch system briefcase. I'm sure it's being kept safely by someone somewhere. Trump has it. Right. And I'm serious. You laugh. He has it. It's, 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 locked, it's locked with Melania's underwear. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> you laugh, but he has the codes, man. I'm telling you, he has the football him and whatever faction of government is uh, is you know is 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 warring this whole fight that we have between these two sides. I don't know what you want to call them, these two interests, but the interest that uh, Trump is uh, is uh, is part of has the football. We shall see. Yeah, we'll the see. whole the whole point is not not to use the football, but. Um, Turkey, uh, we have a Gerald Salente item. Uh, Turkey, as you all are aware, is a key country stra straddling the Middle East and Europe. And per George Friedman, uh, who's also weighed in many times about Turkey, Friedman for years has said Turkey will want to be, be one of the top probably seven or eight players uh, in the next 20 years of, of the international environment. Uh, there are problems. Um, Erdogan has boxed himself in with a number of economic policies where, unfortunately, if he reverses himself, that'd be an admission or failure uh, or worse, incompetence, and he can't afford either, so full speed ahead. Um, Salente feels the Turkish Central Bank is going to create new measures in the short term to bolster their national currency uh, at the price of the Central Bank's reserves. Um, I think there's a couple of other countries, by the way, who may be in that situation. Argentina comes to mind. Um, this will eventually lead to social problems in Turkey domestically and pressures politically. So the outcome of that is Turkey may need to use the usual card out of the card deck in a situation like this, which is war. Um, not to mention labeling domestic opposition as terrorists under the influence of foreign interests. Um, if you've noticed in other media circles, a lot of military moves by Turkey lately, uh, especially the last week, that's an indication as to why. Six months from now, who knows? Larger scale land grab in Syria, possibly. Uh, I doubt they would ever be so mistaken as to attack Greece. Uh, Greece is like Japan when it comes to war, and Gostimus can back me up on this. Uh, all social divisions in Greece disappear the minute there's a common enemy. So that's not an option for Turkey. Uh, but they will be exploring other things. Salente also on the on the uh, subject of venture capital recently said that they're sitting on a lot of money right now and they don't want to take uh, any immediate risks. Uh, he made a kind of funny comment about the average person is trying to pay rent these days and find beef while high net worth folks are gambling in the global casino with venture capital money. And then probably last item before CJ flips the button to, to move us off YouTube. Where are you on? Um, oh, we are. 
Yeah. Oh, my bad. Okay. Um, well, then I'll, I'll go back to the more disturbing content. Uh, cities and what's it all about. Um, noting an article I posted, uh, which I mentioned earlier, about weaponizing metropolitan government. Um, you'll hear the usual two-party paradigm narrative of bad, evil, liberal Democrats are doing this to lock up elections in the metropolitan areas. Uh, no, that's disinformation. Uh, we have to remember, and I know it's a bit of a jaded comment, there really are no political parties in the United States. There's some key people in both of the parties. And of course, there's Ron and Rand Paul. Um, but recall what I said a week or two ago about the Ukraine money. Uh, to bear, paraphrase Bill Hicks, uh, your government <laughs> across party lines uh, voted $33 billion for Ukraine with little to no discussion. And now Tom with the weather. Uh, that was no loan. We just gave them money. And then since then, there's been many more billions on top of that. Uh, I think the last count, V, you may have this better than I do. I mean, it's north of $40 billion, a mix of weapons and money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, yeah, it's way north of 40. I think it's like, it's like close to $80 billion at this point, if I'm not mistaken. And I could be wrong. And remember, remember, folks, because uh, I, I, as many of you have heard me talk about this before, you know, I did a massive graduate paper on the arms industry, and I can tell you, uh, arms are a commodity just, just like anything else. So handing somebody a weapon system is just another form of bank loan. Um, so this is also where we flow into my disclaimer from last week about distinguishing the state of Israel or the Jewish community from the global elite and the Mossad. So what's the play? Well, the rumor is this. There's a ton of threads, uh, but one of the items that's been coming out there more and more is that one of the things that the Donald did uh, that pissed off the global elite is he made decisions. I never want to credit any U.S. president for growth or lack of growth in the U.S. economy, but he did make decisions which enabled economic growth. And that wasn't the plan. The plan was to drive the U.S. economy into the ground to justify an end-to-end -end reordering of the U.S. economy, and this included a number of major cities in the U.S. Now, this is where we're starting to get into manufacturing 4.0, um, other kind of nascent uh, ideas and methodologies in the consulting crowd the last 10 years about the way things ought to be, concepts like smart cities, smart power grids. Uh, significant interconnectedness across all aspects of the United States, you know, merging your smartphone with all of your home devices, and the list goes on. This is one of the reasons why I keep harping about power grids. Now, I may be off the mark, but mark my words on this. Every time we have a major issue in this country, suddenly somebody shows up with a plan. And case in point, should we have a major impact to our grid, I'm pretty sure out of nowhere someone's going to show up and say, well, we have a plan. Um, at the center of all that technical build-out across the United States, it's heavily influenced by several private equity players as well as technology firms. Now, Catherine Austin Fitz has talked about this a lot, and she had made the, the comment, and I brought it up on my own show, that, that the Donald, around the time he became president, she said whether it was him or Hillary, there was going to be a massive infrastructure build across the United States. At least that was the plan. And I had folks I still know in Washington, D.C., who were telling me that the the chatter inside bars and stuff in Washington was the same thing. Well, then he gets into office and the air just went out of that balloon, which begs the question, why? And the answer is they didn't want him as president rolling that out. So how do you roll out a massive interconnected plan across the United States, especially major metropolitan areas? Well, you need dictatorial power in major cities. So how do you do that? Well, among other things, you need private equity owning, and this is the key word, 
enough of the homes and the suburbs as well to move this forward. And you need some serious power grid issues, Texas, I'm looking in your direction, and food supply issues to justify this build out as solutions. And also, let's not forget, Europe is an absolute basket case right now, and we have various government officials from Spain to France to Germany all saying, yeah, the next year is pretty much going to be hellish, and there's nothing you can do about it because we're not changing our direction. So they want to run Europe into the ground uh, as part of the, the Great Reset. The difference there, though, is going to be they also want to make sure Europe uh, ceases to be a, a major political player, uh, that it boils down to China, the United States, Russia, and a couple of other, other major com- countries. Now, I'm also going to go there, and I had that disclaimer last week on this topic. Many of the key information technology firms and financial firms that are mixed up in this uh, are connected to the state of Israel. And that's critical, but that's not an indication of Israeli foreign policy. That's an indication of elites and the intelligence community, which are two completely different things. And it goes back to my often repeated statement about what's going on in the Midwest right now with the Intel Corporation, um, as well as Intel's investment. It's not so much what they're investing, but what they're building. And what they're building is microprocessors that are going to be behind everything we use. So you can see the pieces coming together now, and I think we have a more clear picture than we did before. For me, at least, I think I've got my head wrapped around a little bit more about what was the plan versus what is the plan right now. And of course, remember the famous quote by Rhett Butler from Gone with the Wind, the book, uh, there's always money to be made in destroying a country and rebuilding it. V, I'll pause and ask if you had some thoughts on that. No, no, you brought up some very, very, very powerful points there. Um, It's incredible to see, you know, the elites have this idea. Right. And, and, and you, you see this, you know, I've talked to a few guys who've, you know, been in varying levels of, of government and uh, industry and contracting and all these other stuff. And there's a common theme here. The common theme that I glean from every single one of these gentlemen that I speak to is that what and who is running the country these days is not the talent pool. It's not the talent pool from, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right. Or 40 years ago, you have a group of idiots, and we've seen this personified with <laughs> the current Biden administration with guys like Tony Blinken and and uh, Lloyd Austin and all these freaking morons. The thing that you have to understand is like guys like Klaus Schwab are mediocre minds to begin with, right? So they're out there, they're trying to implement all this bullshit. And really, when you look at it, right, I think it was, um, I forgot who the guy's name is. He's got a channel on YouTube, Fast Rising Channel, uh, Austin Hinckley, Justin Hinckley, whatever his name is, right? But he made a point. He said, uh, we're witnessing the collapse of the third world. Hmm. And he was actually referring to the Western world. And I said to him, holy, holy shit, that is the best point ever. Because, look, I've been saying it since I came out, you know, out of the shadows, not out of the closet, because I'm not gay. But... <laughs> So when I came out back in 2012, one of the things I've always said is that we're a third world country. We have third world infrastructure. We have third world presidents. The only thing that's missing is a third world currency, and that's soon to be remedied. Right? I said that back in 2012, and here we are 10 years later. And the 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 you, you got to understand, folks, we've been living off the fat of the world reserve currency, which has been living off the uh, the success and and the agreements of World War II and Bretton Woods. So we've been living high on the hog, much to do with just just luck. 
And that luck is finally out because what we've done in those, in those course of decades is deindustrialize ourselves because these freaking morons thought that they were the masters of the universe. These freaking morons thought, hey, you know what? We're going to let every single country is going to kowtow to us because we're the ones. We're the lords of finance. And, and, and they're going to kowtow. Russia's going to kowtow to us. China's going to kowtow to us. We're going to subjugate the entire world. We're going to deindustrialize the West. We're going to have our utopia. The rest of the countries of the world are going to be our sweatshops and supply us with goods, and we're going to supply the world with cheap paper, which is a financial product. That all blew up in their face. And so we're witnessing the... I mean, think about it. These idiots like Klaus Schwab, we're talking about, you know, we will have a great reset. And he's talking about windmills and solar panels and having this smart infrastructure, the talent pool of which does not exist in the West anymore. They're talking about, we're going to have microchips and who the hell is going to work in them? Who's going to design them? Who's going to like... You got to understand, folks. India and China graduate millions, millions of people that are in STEM fields per year in comparison to the United States. There's no comparison, especially in science and engineering. There's no comparison. And this talent pool is not here anymore. So this this show, this, this is the clearest indication. It's the clearest indication that, that these guys were elites are so devoid, they're so, they they don't realize how impoverished their nations are. They don't realize how gutted their nations are. So they are in their own echo chambers, they're circle jerking themselves, thinking that everything that they put out as an edict is going to come to fruition. It's not. So you, all of us, are witnessing the collapse of the third world. And surprise, 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 we're the third world. Yeah, it reminds me of the author of Mega Trends and one of the other big popular kind of motivational uh, folks who did a lot of programs on PBS in the early 1980s, um, talking about the re- reinvigoration of American industries and, and getting Americans to stop beating themselves up after, quote unquote, the malaise of the late 70s. But there was a comment in one of the interviews he gave about Detroit where he said there's nothing worse than entrenched success and that the United States was dominant by default. We had no major competitors. And then, you know, using just the auto industry as an example, you had an an insane ego-driven megalomaniac running General Motors named Roger Smith who literally was so isolated from reality that when Japan's products really started uh, doing well in the U.S. market in the early 1980s, and they, their products still had a lot of problems. But it, for him, it was just a function of production. Well, we'll just make more cars. Why Why would the American consumer ever buy anything other than an American car? He, he was completely co- disconnected. And, and to your comment, V, there's a lot of very sharp folks out there. I think we're still, to your point, or the subtlety of your point, we've got a lot of talented people in Western countries. I've worked with them, and, and including here in the United States. The problem is, is that the gatekeepers have absolutely locked those folks out of one, one the equation, time. whether it's, you know, I mean, I remember meeting a, a federal agency deputy director on one of the projects I did in my management consulting days, and we produced a very good report for her, and she looked at me and said, wow, uh, you're organization does really great work. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And she said, I wish we had other 
material like this available? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, uh, well, uh, for this problem that you all tackled with some, some roadmaps and recommendations for us, I, I wish we had other material like this available. And I, I kind of looked out the window and I said, ma'am, forgive me, how long have you been working in government? And she's like, well, I came over from the commercial sector about five years ago. And I said, I am in an uncomfortable position to tell you this, but I said, MITRE, RAND, uh, a whole host of other firms. I said, we did very good work and we had very good people produce that report. And I said, and so I'm not going to take away from my team or what we did. I said, but candidly, there are binders like this all over government. I said, there's, there's not a problem this country faces that hasn't been figured out six, seven different ways in, in, a, in a way that would actually work. And she kind of looked at me funny and said, I, I don't understand. And I said, the reward mechanisms in Washington are not the same they were when you and I worked for corporate America. There's no financial aspect here. Here, it's just power and control. And I said, so they're, they're not going to, I said, for instance, the report we just handed you, if you actually try to implement a single thing we told you to do, they're going to block you and prevent you from rolling those out. And she goes, why do, then why do firms like yours exist? I said, so that we can get paid to explain to the government that if they actually are seriously going to try and fix a problem, that it, it could be done. It's, it's the old joke about, I had a, a, a professor who was teaching Air Force intelligence people and somebody in the room made a comment about South American politics and he just sat down in his chair and folded his arms, looked at everybody in the room and he goes, look, I know you all do this for a living, but he goes, let's be honest. He said, if the United States has a really serious problem with what's going on in Nicaragua with the Sandinistas, or we have a really serious problem with the government of Iran, he goes, somewhere somebody's got a black phone book. And we just whip that sucker out and just start calling up phone numbers and meet people in Vienna, Austria and go, okay, okay, publicly we'll still be at war with each other, but all right, fine, what do you want? What do you want? But it's, it's that arrogance that you're alluding to of these people that, A, believe their policies can be implemented and the consequences of that are immaterial because it's the little people. But it goes back to my other theme about sometimes we have to tell the truth through fiction. You look at the Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey and the character of Lord <clears throat> Blackwood. You know, we only find out at the end of the movie that it's been Moriarty pulling his strings the whole time. And of course, in the international environment, you would probably find that there's somebody managing Moriarty. That's what's always kind of maddening about this and why we need, uh, to all of you listening to today's show, this is why we need Matthew Arrett, because it's my other favorite comment from the TV show Miami Vice. You don't know the players without a program down here. Um, it's very hard to navigate, you know, you got the World Economic Forum, dude. Okay. I love that thing. I should make. We should make that the the slogan for the new revamp Rogue News. Yeah, you we just need the, Don, Don Johnson sitting on the Ferrari. That's it. You don't know the but game. On, what was it called again? You don't, we, you don't know the players without a program. Without a program. You don't know the players without a program. Now, I like and, that, dude. CJ, write that down. <laughs> CJ, get us a T-shirt. CJ, get um, us a T-shirt. <laughs> but. You know, we've we've talked about it. Matthew Arrett's done a very good job with it. I mentioned frequently somebody I'm I'm fond of studying historically, which is Cecil Rhodes. Rhodes puts together all of these different organizations, some of which lead to two groups we know today as everything from the Bilderberger uh, meetings to to the Council on Foreign Relations. But Rhodes realized shortly before he died, uh, he'd been played. 
the same the same thing with Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the famous you know Illuminati, which is which is not just a program in itself that's like a week of programs, but Weishaupt realized later that he'd been getting manipulated. There's always somebody else behind the scenes, and so it's like okay. We know Soros is managed by Lord Malik Brown, but who's managing Malik Brown? Malik Brown can't be operating independently of the London Corporation of which he's part. And the list goes on. And that's what makes this topic so so difficult. Now, in the psychological manipulation world, I had a soundbite for this week that kind of came to me in the middle of the night. I'm in no way discounting inappropriate behavior in the workplace. And I've been in a number of situations where I've had to work with HR or similar for those situations, especially when it comes to, to downright sexual assault. But when you weaponize a social campaign to prevent something like that, it's a psyop. And remember my comments from a few weeks ago about, do you feel angry right now by what you see in the news? Do you feel powerless? Do you feel disaffected? Is that making you feel like you want to go out and cause violence somewhere? Because if that's the case, the people that are trying to influence you are succeeding because they're masters at it. And they've been doing this a long time, and they have a lot of PhDs that like to figure out how you think. So along those lines, in my opinion, the Me Too movement was a very clever psychological operation. And let me explain why. Because it focused a narrative that all men are evil instead of focusing on pedophiles. It was a distraction away from the pedophile topic. Because if you remember what was going on when that movement began, we had Epstein and Weinstein front and center in the news which took attention off of harm to children and placed it on power structures. Well, what are you going to do? Well, it's always going to be that way, et cetera, et cetera. We had a court case. Things were resolved. But the minute anybody starts talking about what Dr. Nasser did to those, those women gymnasts, well, that, that goes on the back burner. So remember the kind of content at least I've been covering on Rogue and when it comes to that topic. And if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, the group, the Pussycat Dolls, do you think the model used at Playboy and Victoria's Secret didn't apply to that band? You think those girls in that band were not used in compromise operations? I'm dead serious because oh, yeah. that, that crap is starting to come out now. One of the girls that was in the Pussycat Dolls. Which one? Is Scherzinger? No, 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 no. It was, uh, I'd have to go dig this up. There was, there she was used to be so beautiful that she ruined her face. Okay. There's, there's a couple of them that have come forward about what happened. And the other group where this occurred, the Spice Girls. Spice Girls. Makes sense. And even further down the rabbit hole, you need to internalize the degree to which the media has been weaponized, including key people. Why did ABC weather celebrity Al Roker freeze at a public event in August of 2012 after he saw a triggering image? If you think I'm kidding, go watch the YouTube or other forums where you can see that video. Yeah, well, He's he not the only what? one. What happened? He was literally like frozen? He yeah, he was standing next to two of his colleagues. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you like, I think he, like I, glitched. Yeah, it was it was in August, and and there was an image of either a butterfly or a rabbit nearby. Which for anybody that knows your MK Ultra history, you'll you'll get that. Why would they? Uh, why, why would they do this to Al Roker? He's just a fat guy that reads the weather. What? He's still he's still in the public eye. You oh, know, God. it's 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 like my age old joke about when when I worked for. Boop, in Washington, D.C., uh, the statement that used to go around the firm all the time was there's only two kinds of people in Washington, D.C., those worth being compromised and those who aren't. So we would sit in meetings with certain government officials that would be telling us what's well, really critical and, and the government wants to do and it would be better for the taxpayer. Um, a colleague would look at me and mouth the words, he isn't. 
Cause it's mm. like, if you're talking like that, there's no cameras here. So I don't know why you're talking like that. Cause you obviously don't know how the hell this works. And along those lines, uh, just a reminder, I brought it up before the movie looker, uh, film came out in the early 1980s with Albert Finney, James Coburn and Susan day. It's another Michael Crichton film. Uh, very, very germane to these types of topics, especially the world we're in right now. Uh, the movie among many topics covered in there was that all advertisements are based on database images of actors and actresses who don't exist. And Patrick Ryan, who's been on Rogue, has profiles on, on YouTube he did for Stoa, where he demonstrated marketing firms today leveraging people who literally don't exist. He showed the profiles of these individuals, had pictures and photographs of who they were, a full biographical mock-up. They literally don't exist anywhere. They're completely created, you could say, by AI, but they're, they're completely digitally created. And beyond in the movie the political and product manipulation that was in that film uh patrick as well has has uh kind of dove into the topic of deep fakes in fact i hate to go there because i've had a couple of people tell me can can you give us some positive news and it's it's like well <laughs> i do my best but there's i just i can't sugarcoat some of these topics folks i mean that's why i try and keep a sense of humor about it but um you know, Patrick has dug into this whole thing about uh, the capacity for deepfakes, and there's been a number of folks, including uh, Cheryl Atkinson, uh, for those of you who know her. She was the CBS reporter who was digging deeply into President Obama when she was at CBS. She got fired. She brought a lawsuit. And then during her lawsuit and her discovery, she started finding out that, guess who? The FBI was digging into her personal life and all of her electronic devices and similar. Now, she does her own reporting now. She has her own website. She's very involved in a number of different topics. I posted on the Discord site uh, on Monday the 15th a clip from Cheryl discussing how she and her husband hired cyber experts that proved the FBI was trying to plant, you guessed it, child porn on her husband's computer to discredit her. And that's kind of, you know, that movie Looker and some of Patrick Ryan's work where Patrick is talking about, you know, the deep fake stuff that they came up with over the past five years is is damaging, but you can still kind of figure it out. He's he's concerned about a moment that may be coming where they can deep fake stuff and disproving it just becomes incrementally harder. Shifting gears over to Whitney Webb, because I know I brought her up on, a, on the show a number of times. Her book is still on track, folks. Um, but I've, I've picked up some uh, direct uh, feedback about what's going on with her that I wanted to share with all of you. And I've got an opportunity for all of you as it relates to, to Whitney. I'll cover in a moment. So her delays in producing the book were because she was struggling with the constant problem of new detail that kept popping up. And every time she'd think the book was ready, something would come up and she's like, God, I got to I gotta put that content in there. So she's finally drawn a line in the sand and she's like, okay, fine, I'm, I'm publishing it. Now there's a twist. The first twist is, is that she's going to have two volumes of her book instead of one because she's got so much content. Uh, and in these books, you know, she's mapping out the power structure of the United States as well as globally. She gets into the merging of organized crime and the U.S. intelligence community and obviously a heavy coverage of Jeff Epstein and uh, does dig into Israel's influence in the intelligence community and so on. Um, she's also gone through a lot of uh, care, as she's described it, to cover her sources. And she's dared the mainstream media to call her a conspiracy theorist at this point because she's got so much stuff documented in both of these books. 
Now, her first book provides a lot of baseline material, if you will. It explains like who is Adnan Khashoggi, the, the famous arms dealer from the 1980s, and goes through all the major details on, on key players. And so she said, if you kind of know who those folks are, you can probably skip the first book and just, just buy the second one. But here's the deal. She's got a deal right now that if you purchase the book directly from her publisher, which is Trine Daily, T-R-I-N-E, if you go to the Trine Daily website and find her book, what you do is, is you look for the bundle option and you can buy both books for 35 bucks uh, rather than paying for each one individually, which I think is like 50 or 60 bucks if you bought both independently. So you can get it for $35 for both, both books and you're looking for the bundle option. Now, if you go to the website and you see... Uh, like the image of the book that you're used to seeing on, say, Amazon, where it's got a yellow cover with black text. Uh, I don't think you're looking for that page. You're looking for the other page or other options page or what have you on the Trine Daily website where you can get the bundle the bundle option. And you'll see it says right there, $35 for both books. So I canceled my Amazon uh, purchase for this book and, and have since switched over to Trine Daily. And that should be coming out by the end of September. Uh, Russell Brand. I know Russell can elicit a wide variety of emotions for people. Uh, he's also been accused of being part of the problem. Um, and I have to admit, I, you know, I like him, but his speaking style just kind of drives me nuts sometimes. Um, but he has been hitting the globalist community rather solidly for the last two years, probably because of his, his self-acknowledged kind of center left views on things. Last week, he said something interesting. He said pharmaceutical uh, firms these days are operating more like hedge funds or private equity. Uh, they no longer develop anything. They just buy the companies who do so they can control access to medical care and sustain the oligopoly. And then uh, my last uh, item for today is kind of the goals of the West and China and rest of the world. Um, no major power is going to sit back and watch things develop, uh, except right now for Europe, but that's another matter because in my opinion, as I alluded to earlier, um, they want to make money off of off of reconfiguring Europe's infrastructure, but they want Europe out of the equation. And that also kind of goes to the uh, German documentary I mentioned to all of you called Master of the Universe, uh, which was quite good, where it was produced in – they did the interviews in 2013. It came out in 2014, and the the it's a German private equity guy that, that went public about what he saw and what he heard. And he he started talking about – in the interview, he said, they've got Germany at this point. He said, the only real obstacle is France. They have to bring down France. And of course, shortly thereafter, we started seeing a lot of, a lot of problems in, in France, yeah. both economically and politically. So major countries are always going to try and exploit weaknesses in others. That's just the nature of the game. And again, it's why the work Matthew Eret does is kind of dangerous because Matthew tends to talk about not just the idea of, but leaders in Canada, leaders in the United States, leaders global, globally, who've tried to find um, mutually beneficial economic systems and mutually beneficial economic arrangements rather than a zero-sum outcome where, you know, in the traditional British fashion, uh, we screw everybody, but, but, you know, we make out like bandits. Um, mutual cooperation would destroy the current system. Uh, and again, to paraphrase Bill Hicks, the comedian, uh, powerful people are invested this, in this system. They like it the way it is. So one of the challenges or weaknesses for China is the criticality or the importance of their major seaports. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the Chinese were well aware that they needed to open up avenue, other avenues of trade. And this is what led to the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, China planned, as they often do uh, extensively, how they were going to pursue the Belt and Road Initiative to remove 
this vulnerability for them. And the Western powers realized what China was doing and moved to stop them. Um, no different than the West trying to exploit, you know, Russia's historical concerns as well as modern ones about their borders, whether it's the Caucasus or Ukraine. Now, I'm oversimplifying, but one of the sources of conflict right now with China and the West is this issue of China trying to open up their avenues of trade beyond their seaports. It's also why in China's efforts to prepare for Belt and Road, and I don't fault them for this because it's the international environment and, and we let them do it and we let them take advantage of us. Uh, China was very good at infiltrating U.S. Uh, universities and, and pulling into their orbit key politicians like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, note my comments last week about why Mitch's wife has been spending so much time at a private airport in Southwest Ohio. Um, I mean, she's Taiwanese, right? I'm not sure what her background is. Yeah, she's Taiwanese. Is. She's from Taiwan. You've, you've had at least two U.S. federal agencies trying to investigate her for being an asset of China, and every single time they, they get shut down and told to go home. Um, so the Western world, and by that I mean the United States and private equity, are trying to block China. Yeah, she's from, from Taiwan, a Taiwanese. Okay, okay. Taiwan. From success. So she's, she's, an, she's, an, she's an Intel op, CIA... Probably even like MI5 double agent, most likely. Well, and I, she's I total time, yeah. And she works with the separatists, and she's connected with the separatist parties that are in Taiwan. With the I, I equally have no doubt that, like the other Khashoggi, the reporter uh, who got killed in Turkey, uh, that she's on a lot of people's payrolls. Oh yeah, which can can she's be nasty. very uh, dangerous nasty. to your health. Yep. So. Also within that ambiguity between countries' national goals is where the global elites, call them what you will, uh, are operating in the shadows and are trying to find ways to exploit conflicts and other things in these various ebbs and flows to achieve their goals outside of national governments. And this is often what leads to confusion when we're trying to understand the truth of global events and trying to figure out, okay, who's pulling the strings? Is this China? Is this Britain? Is this the United States? Or is it the London Corporation or BlackRock trying to achieve their goals within this confusion? And then sprinkle into the uh, knocked unable, the night and fog of Israeli and Mossad goals, and this, this stuff really goes off the rails. So the data point on the situation with China is, Another consideration, which is the door swings both ways when it comes to China's ports. You may recall a few months ago, China shut down Shanghai's ports under the, the reasoning that they had a COVID outbreak. This is an excellent example of the kind of subtleties that are involved. Um, you see, of all of China's ports, Shanghai has a disproportionate level of trade with the United States. And the United States right now, as we know, is desperate for spare parts, fertilizer, building materials, other forms of electronics and things we need because of those trade relationships. So it's my contention China shut down Shanghai as a form of self-inflicted wound to put the West on notice how far they're willing to go as far as their options to fight back. That China exactly. does have a number of different ways they can inflict harm back on the West. It kind of goes to my comment about you know, let's not get too tied up in the vagaries of what may or may not happen relative to Taiwan. Um, we had major cargo ships beach themselves uh, and a shortage of microprocessors. Those are forms of conflict. Those are forms of, I wouldn't use the word intimidation necessarily, but an indication to the rest of the world community, you can't just let China roll into Taiwan. 
because then we'll go. I mean, <laughs> you're dealing you're dealing with with uh, Asian foreign policy here. We have ways of scorching the earth as well. Um, so it's never, it kind of goes to George Friedman's thing about every major politician, even if they believe it, looks at the chessboard and tells voters, if you elect me, I'm going to make major changes. And even if they believe that five seconds after they get in front of the chessboard, they're told by other people in the room, you can't even lay your fingers on a single piece. Everything is so interconnected. Everything is so counterblocked and triple blocked. If you move anything, you're going to disrupt the natural order of things. You just gotta, you just gotta leave it where it is. So with that, I'll, I'll open the floor, V and CJ, for uh, your thoughts and comments. No, I mean, you covered a lot of ground. I mean, in, 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 you know, we're dealing with, uh, um, again, a nation thinking that it could act unilaterally, asymmetrically, without any sort of consequences. And now the United States realizing it is becoming the child. It's being pushed from being in the driver's seat to being giving a toy steering wheel on a child seat and put in the back of the bus so to speak, and this is exactly what's happening. You alluded to uh, the talented people that are in this country and they can't get anything done because of the bureaucracy. And here's an interesting clip that I want to play because we're at the end of the program. And it kind of highlights exactly where we are in the, not, not in the United States, but also in Canada, in New Zealand, in Australia, and the UK and the entire Western world. And this is why we're so demented that a collapse of our society is not something that... It's required at this point. I just hope that strong people are still around in order to pick up the pieces. Because here's what here's what we're really facing. This this is funny. You laugh your ass off, but it's true. Here we go. Facing fatness as self care, the era of Trump was accepted by this university's Fat Studies Conference. It was written by this person. Hello, I am C. Matheson. The conference invited C. Matheson, who is actually comedian Steven Crowder, to speak via Zoom. Crowder disguised himself as a woman and did. You may believe, wrongly as many people do, that fat is a threat to your life. His speech was absurd. Every scoop of Ben and Is that John Stossel? Yeah. Seen as an act of resistance. But attendees gave him rave reviews. What a talk. This is for getting published presentation of Donald Trump's scientific phobia. <laughs> this could be how we fight rape culture. Look at this. This is a this, this is how you get published and have credibility within the scientific community. So asshole bureaucrats can run around saying, "Trust the science." This is this is your science, folks. This is your science. This is what is being taught in every university. I don't care if you're an MIT or Stanford or Harvard. This is what they're shoving down your throat. After the conference, the head of the Journal of Body Weight and Society even asked C. Matheson to review a scientific paper. <laughs> Crowder's just. This is even better. Watch this. The latest person to pull off a hoax like that. <laughs> uh, I have now closely considered the revisions of your manuscript, Dog Park. And <laughs> these researchers fooled the journal Gender, Place, and Culture with a ludicrous paper on rape culture at dog <laughs> and will recommend its publication in gender place and culture in all seven so-called scientific journals accepted their ridiculous submissions <laughs> Follett blames this perversion of science on the government the government wants to generate that kind of nonsense now the government doesn't want nonsense studies but its science agencies, like much of America, have been taken over by leftists who want to promote their agenda. 
and themselves. And in science, you promote yourself by getting papers published. Important papers can advance careers, generate media interest, and secure... Oh, yeah. And government provides most of that funding. Nobody wants to publish something that goes... And that's the key here. If the political culture of your country is a culture of fucking morons, <laughs> fucking morons will require fucking papers that justify their moronicness. That's not even a word, but I'm going to use it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to justify their stupidity. And this is the problem what I keep talking about for years now. Washington, D.C. and every government in the West is nothing but a giant circle jerk convention of the most low-talented individuals on God's green earth. And real talented people, if they can't get their work done here, if they can't have their innovation done here in the United States, guess what they're going to do? Just like Gershom's Law, where money goes where it's treated well, talent goes where it's going to get paid. Talent goes where it's going to get treated well. Talent goes where it can have its business and its ideas and its innovations flourish. And it's not going to be here much longer, folks. Well, and it's, it's, we've, you know, uh, first of all, tr uh, truck face, go, uh, to your comment you posted in the chat, go to the YouTube page and find John Stossel's page. You can find that video. Um, we, we've, we've talked about it here. Uh, I forget it was last week or the week before when I got into the thing about memes and, and memes as a form of, of psychological, uh, what do you call it? Humor and so on to get people to snap them out of their complacency. That it's like, do, do you, you know, it's the age old joke about a parent looking in front of a child going, do you actually hear the words coming out of your mouth and what you're saying? That's not even rational. And they are about, you know, Gus does this better than I. It's about the narrative. It's about the ideology. And nothing is allowed to deviate from that. So the more you sound, and I mean, my God, folks, this, this goes back to the Jacobin movement in France and other ideologues in Europe in the 1840s. Whenever you have someone who talks about needing to take an extreme position, then at that point, the only way to gain further traction is you have to be even more extreme. Uh, I posted a video this week from a uh, official with the Chicago school system talking about how violence and looting is the only option left that they have a legal right because we're not elites and we don't have wealth. And of course it kind of goes to something that, uh, Mike Moore has said a true pundit. Gus has said a couple of times, especially during the riots. I know you and CJ said it V if you really believe a word of what you're saying, especially in the riots back in 2020, then you go protest outside the governor's mansion while the governor's in there. And you find out how many milliseconds on this earth you have until really serious people show up with really serious weapons and start bringing a lot of hurt down on you to educate you on the fact that that's not a person you're approved to be protesting against. Yeah. I, I love stuff like this because it shows just the absolute ludicrousness of these organizations. And ironically, it's not just something like this. This is very tongue in cheek. There was a professor 
a liberal-leaning mathematics professor about two, three years ago. I remember reading this on on Daily Mail, the uh, or Daily Grail. I'm sorry, the the kind of alternative archaeology website, where he produced a mathematics paper, peer-reviewed. And his colleagues were like, oh, you've absolutely broken new ground. We all definitely want to get behind this, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, he came back and said, as fellow mathematicians, if you'd even checked my work, you would have seen that, A, I've stolen a bunch of formulas from other big people in our field and claimed them as my own. And second, half the math doesn't even work out. Mm. And he was, he was challenging his colleagues saying, this is how bad you're getting. Because it's peer reviewed, no one in a, in a, and again, you showed the video on on Rogue a couple times. V, the uh, I think he was an archaeologist, the guy who's who's traipsing around Africa. He's he's uh, a British archaeologist, and he said uh, these aren't these kids coming out of the universities are not real researchers. They don't Correct. challenge anything. They just accept dogma. Yep. They've never been dirty and in the field digging. You know, I mean, archaeology kind of boils it down. It's like, when was the last time there was a spade or a trowel in your hand while you were excavating something? Well, I've read most of the academic work. Wrong, wrong answer. You, you need, you need, you need a, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, not Mike Smith, but uh, Roe, the guy who does America's Mike Dirtiest Rowe. Jobs. Yeah, you need to go follow Mike Roe Ro around and go clean out some sewers, and then you can come back to me and talk to me on your thoughts on the anthropology. Uh, you go get that big fat blob uh, unhooked out of the sewer and then come back and talk to me about, about yeah. doing major field work. Yep. Oh, God. This is the situation we're in. And we're, we, we're in here because we are officially a failed state. Government doesn't work anymore. It's dysfunctional. It's broken. The systems don't work. The systems are buckling. We, we, we got lucky, folks. We got lucky at the end of World War II, and we blew it. We We did. Uh, we had the wrong the wrong kind of people got a hold of the the levers of power, if you will. It, it remi- I was working with a private uh, consultant uh, assessing a business that the numbers all looked good at first glance, but this colleague of mine was very good at what they did and, and very much above my pay grade, and came back and had to tell the the CEO of this business. It was a privately held company, but told the CEO of the business, "You're essentially bankrupt." And the guy was like, that's not possible. And he goes, he goes, let me put it to you another way. You're dead. You just don't know you are. And like, here's what you've got to do. Cause he's like, if your creditors and others find out what's really going on with your books, they're going to shut you down. So you got, you know, like business 101, you got to act before the financial folks wake up and realize what's going on. And that's been true of a number of corporations around the world that are state-sponsored. They're, they're zombie companies. There's, there's no growth. There's no innovation. It's just kept alive. Um, I mean, hell, look at fiat. Uh, it's just kept alive by government money. And it's the same thing with this example V is showing. Um, you're, you're a zombie. There's, there's no, you're not a living organism. You're not a free-thinking, creative. You know, it's the old Star Trek thing about, Captain, we can't violate the, the prime directive. This isn't a living society. They're not advancing. They're they're stuck in time. Right. Exactly. America's in the same boat, unfortunately. And they're not alone. No. The entire Western world is in the same boat. It's incredible to witness. It really is. So on, on that note, I'm going to go travel across America again. And if you all see anything in the news, I have nothing to do with it. Fellas <laughs> is off to create some mischief. Always. Always. Vellas, thank you so much for being on. And, folks, thank you all for listening in. Enjoy your weekends. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. CJ.